Well, it's about damn time. The Arizona Cardinals have finally beaten the Sean McVay-led Rams, and now myself and Callum can spend as long as we want gloating about it. <laughs> I'm Tom, and welcome to episode 122 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown, recorded on the 50-yard line of our new home in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. <laughs> if only. Uh, yeah, if only. It may be the Cardinals' house, but unfortunately they wouldn't let us in this afternoon, so we're um, back in Blighty and uh, recording from from our usual spots but much like in uh in squid game a bunch of guys in red just absolutely destroyed a whole load of people in uh in sort of blue green uniforms a proper niche reference there that i don't get because i've not actually seen this show yet even though everyone's oh. hyping it all up <laughs> yeah it's gonna date the episode for sure but i've only watched like the first half of it but anyway i mean uh you know what what a Cardinals game to talk about, you know, sitting top of the power rankings, last undefeated team in the league, really a, a, a you know, upset win, and especially the way they went about it. And let's be honest, nobody actually saw this coming, did we? I mean, you predicted a win at least, but uh, definitely not at this magnitude, so been interesting watching people uh you know backtrack a little bit on stuff they were saying during the week but i mean like in general like no one saw us being four and did they? maybe five no. and out, six and out, we know where will this streak end who knows i did see that the um odds at the start of the season of the cardinals being the last undefeated team were like at five thousand or something like that plus five thousand you know the way that the u.s do their sports book i'm not 100 percent sure how it translates to uh you know odds that we would be familiar with but still i think that would have been about 50 to 1 let's put it this way it was it was an outside one i wish i had a couple of quid on that let's be honest (laughs) yeah exactly i think you would have been looking at some good returns regardless but definitely uh not one people would have seen coming and and god it feels really good you know it feels um really really good because not only does it come with you know recognition of being the last undefeated team but i think that given that we got there by beating the Rams in such a dramatic fashion, nobody can really be going on about saying that it's just a, an easy schedule or something like that. There wasn't really many people who thought we'd win again, like week one against Tennessee, and yet we proved yeah. the doubters wrong again. It's funny. It's like <laughs> the two games, the two games we've been like more expected to lose, are the two games that we've absolutely blown somebody out of the water. And then we struggled against the Jaguars because you know Cardinals. Yeah. Struggled against the Jaguars and nearly lost to the Vikings, who are not a bad team, to be fair, but even so. Before we get onto the game, though, should we talk about some news? (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about the news. Yes, and at the ninth attempt of asking, the Arizona Cardinals have a win against the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, you know, it it might not actually be news, but, you know, we have to gloat about it, don't we? Yeah, exactly. I mean... (laughs) You can't really talk about any news when, when I guess there really wasn't any, especially, as you said, Cardinals 37, Los Angeles Rams 20. You didn't hear that wrong. It was the Cardinals 37, the Los Angeles Rams 20. And and not just that, but the uh, 20 points of the Los Angeles Rams, that was partially a touchdown in garbage time. Again, we could have scored more than 37 had we not settled for a field goal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, do, I do think that... Um, this scoreline is is uh, almost too close for the game that we actually witnessed, which is saying something. Really good fun. Obviously, we're not going to get sick of saying that we beat the LA Rams 37-20, are we? No, we're not. I think we might be bringing that up quite a lot next time we play them uh, later in the season. 
But before we get on to the negatives, we've got a Cards Mark D special. The Cardinals are 4-0, and and three of those victories have come on the road. And in the last 60 years, just one other 4-0 team has managed to do that by margins of 12-plus points, and that was the <laughs> 1980 San Diego Chargers. That's wild. I mean, it has been an unfair schedule, hasn't it? Like, three yeah. games on the road. Yep, absolutely. Especially coming into, you know, such a tough division game like that. But on the plus side, the more games you have on the road now, the more home games you get later. I suppose, yeah, that is one way of looking at it. And obviously we've got the game coming up at the weekend at State Farm Stadium. We do indeed, and we'll get on to that eventually. Uh, one final stat as well that I have, uh, courtesy of um, former uh, British Bird Gang Breakdown host TK, sent me a message today saying that the last time that the... I'm gonna I'm gonna get the stat up just to get sh- make sure it's exactly right. Yeah, the last time the Cardinals were the sole undefeated team was in 1974. So yeah, I guess you could say that it is a pretty historic start to the season for us. Coming on the back of beating the LA Rams 37-20 as well, so can't complain about that. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I do think that it's worthwhile. I don't think there's many, but it is worthwhile thinking about the negatives of the game in which we beat the Los Angeles Rams 37-20. The first negative I've got down here is penalties once again. 7-4-63 is tame compared to what we had last year. Absolutely. It was really more about the inopportune moments when the Cardinals were flagged for their indiscretions. And, and, you know, like you say, it's tame compared to last year. But at the end of the day, you know, 63 yards would still be a scoring drive in most situations. Yeah, you could definitely get into field goal range with that. But I mean, Matt exactly. Crater could be field goal range from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I really wouldn't put it past him to kick from his own end zone. To be at this point, but you, you gotta you gotta tighten up on these things. And as you said, it's it's the inopportune times that they came. You know, it's like converting third and long, or getting a big stop, or something like that. And then that's when the flags come out. Yeah, like the one on Isaiah Simmons to chalk off the Marco Wilson interception. I'd say that was yeah. egregious at best. Yeah, I, it was. Um, I mean that's a shame that one came back, but you know the, these are things you gotta you gotta watch out for. You gotta keep these things tight, right? I did see people comparing the roughing the passer penalty that Kyler Murray had, but it's like they were completely different plays. Like on that one, the Rams defender actually got a hold of the face mask and sort of twisted it, didn't he? Yeah, as, I mean, as he was you, going past. Yeah, you could see you could see Kyler's head turning, you know, with the force of the, which is why it's kind of stupid to me that it's called roughing the passer when it could be called, you know, like QB face mask or something like that. It could have the same penalty, but at least then, you know, it would be clear. It's like, yeah, you you can't have your hands anywhere near the face mask. Like in comparison, you know, the one on Simmons, he basically his hand maybe brushed the side of Stafford's helmet. Yeah, I I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you're going to call it, at least call it consistently, and that's what they did. You know, it would be a shame, you know, if we'd had that play stand, the Marco Wilson INT, and then they hadn't been called for, you know, hitting Kyler later, I think we'd be just as upset by that kind of, but, you know, at least it was consistent. But as you said, you know, discipline across the ranks for these sort of things, you know, just tidying up these little bits and pieces, um, it's going to get extra points on the board in the end. And then obviously the LA Rams seem to get a few makeup calls in their defense, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, um, it, it's not as bad as the penalty situation has been, but you know it's still a bit of a negative. So you have to put something down here, don't we? Yeah, exactly. And I think you know when you look at it being sort of seven for sixty-three, that means that the average penalty 
was nine yards, um, which means that, you know, we're we're getting called quite a lot for, for like 10, 15 yard penalties. The, these are the penalties that are the real killers. The five yard penalties, not so much. But yeah, timing wise and everything, as you said, it almost feels a, a little bit like, um, you know, they get a bit sloppy towards the end, especially on defense, you know, when they get to that third down and then they're just like, you know, it's almost like they're desperate to get off the field, which is fair. But that's where you need to be at your most disciplined. Again, like another negative we'll go on to talk about is the run defense because obviously it's a kind of a moot point when the Arizona Cardinals run game was so good in their 37 yeah. 20 victory over the LA Rams. But still, Darrell Henderson ripped off big gain after big gain for a decent outing from him. As you said, it's a bit of a moot point, especially in a game when, you know, we only allowed 20 points and, and realistically only allowed 13. But it's worrying, I guess, for the rest of the season. I think we did end up with more rushing yards ourselves, though, so, you know. We did. But, uh, you know, if you're if you're giving up these chunk plays to, to running backs and stuff like that, you know, we've got a tough schedule um, this year, and you can bet that, I said it last week, you can bet offensive coordinators are looking at our rush defense and saying, like, yep, that is it. That is where I'm going to get my chunk yardage. I'm just going to hit them again and again and again on the ground, and then I'm going to sell the play action, and I'm going to you know, pick up a big pass yardage, big pass play. And, and you know, to some extent that was working for LA, except that they then couldn't get anything going with their passing game at all. And it was one of those games as well, like in defense of the defense, like they did stiffen up in the red zone, didn't they, against the they run? Did, like yeah. they were able to hold them to field goal attempts as opposed to taking touchdowns all the time. Yeah, not just that, but, you know, it, I think it, they were talking about it a lot on the commentary, but that sort of bend-don't-break attitude to defense where it's like, okay, we're, we're actually kind of okay with you getting a first down in the middle of the field or in your half. What we're concerned about, especially with the Cardinals at that point, is like we're concerned that you run it and that you allow the clock to keep running. You know, like that could be seen as something of strategy there as well but as you said yeah they stiffened up really well the red zone defense um even against the run was was really really good and that's also why we only gave up 20 points in our 37 20 victory yeah exactly and uh again one of those uh was a touchdown in garbage time you know we re in, in the real game when it was competitive we gave up one touchdown and two field goals and that's something and the final negative I've got down here is about the sacks, or the lack of, rather. Because, yep. once again, the Cardinals' defense struggled to pressure Matthew Stafford on a regular basis. And, once again, Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt both ended up sackless. Yeah, in fact, no sacks across the entire defense. But the Cardinals did win 37-20, so it's not all <laughs> bad news. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me... You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this negative into a positive already and, and talk about the fact that, you know, the we we were rarely getting to Matthew Stafford at all, but the secondary was so good that it basically didn't matter. You know, he could have all the time in the world to throw in the pocket, but we had such good coverage that he was rarely getting a pass off. You know, we managed to hold Cooper Cup to something like five targets, you know, that's pretty insane. 
Yeah, and as well, like, obviously, he might not have got the sacks, but he did get pressures on him because there was many times where he was rushed into a throw, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And there, and there were getting hands <laughs> up at the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. I think there were one or two deflected passes as well. You know, the, it, it wasn't all bad. I, again, every every uh, negative here came with a little silver lining. And ultimately, how negative can you be when the Cardinals beat the Rams 37-20? Exactly, you know. So maybe we should talk about the positives from that game. The 37-20 victory. Let's get on to it. I think when you win 37-20, it's uh, only fair to get on to some positives. Yep, and the first positive, as always, seems to be Kyler Murray. Well, I mean, where do you even start with Kyler Murray in this game? This This game was a masterclass from him. Yeah, I mean, it did take him four weeks to finally get one, but our week four player of the game was a pretty unanimous selection of Kyler Murray. I think he got fifty nine percent of the votes in total. Kind of unsurprising, really. It's this is like, um, you know, in other weeks there has been like a a breakout star of the show. There's been like a breakout defensive performance. There's been a you know really exciting wide receiver who was bringing in all that sort of stuff. But I think ultimately with this one, you would find it hard to say that that offensive performance was anything other than a leadership from Kyler Murray, you know, as uh, anything driven other than that. Yeah, I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong for once, you know, like there wasn't that silly interception in, on the first drive in the second half like he's had the past three games live. Yep, absolutely. And and he just looked calm and in control the whole, uh, the whole week. And, um, you know, yeah, watching him come out and play on, on Sunday the way that he did, I know it's been done to death, but you know, this is like really the uh, the symbol of maturity, isn't it? One of the highlight plays I think we saw from him was the, I mean, obviously there was several highlight plays from Kyler Murray in this game, but the one where Aaron Donald's bearing down on him and he just sidesteps him like it was oh, nothing. It's yeah. Glorious. It was just, yeah, so, so fun to watch. And, you know, even then, he I don't know if he listens to this podcast because one of our negatives last week was Kyler Murray going for the Hollywood Pass, going for that big rainbow. And several times this week, I watched him go and take the more sensible approach. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, I did see someone on Twitter breaking that down. Like, he was obviously gearing up to, like, throw the ball downfield to someone. Yeah. But, like, the coverage was that good that he didn't. He just decided to take like a shorter option just to keep the chains moving and actually work. So, you know, think, continue doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it gets results like this. Kyler Murray, it, it suits him to be winning and it suits him to be winning by a lot. You know, it's almost like he's calm and, and able to be a bit more, uh, able to think through everything a little bit more when he's got that winning margin. Yeah, because I mean, like he... Obviously, he's not the biggest quarterback, is he? So he has to, like, diagnose the field and read the defense maybe a bit more than other quarterbacks, you know? Yeah, He has to roll out a bit so he's got, like, a clear view sort of thing. I mean, another one of the highlight plays from him in this game was the, is it third and 18 or third and 16, something like that? And he, like, rolls out and runs down the sideline for a 12, 16-yard game to pick up the first down. Yep. Just ridiculous Kyle Murray stuff. <laughs> I've said it before um, already this season, but, you know, the guy's just fun to watch in that regard. You know, it's like there's no such thing as a hopeless down. 
Yeah, I mean, he can make anything happen from nothing, really. I mean, exactly. and obviously, like, you were saying about his maturity, like, you've noticed, like, if he's, like, on a designated run, if there's nothing there, he's just got to take a slide, isn't he, or take a knee. He's not going yeah. to take an unnecessary hit. Exactly. Which is smart on his part. And and I think, ultimately, you know, this it all comes as part of the same the same thing where it's like he's just settled in he knows it's his team everything's being done kind of the way he likes it as it were and everything is just set up for him to succeed and, and lo and behold he's he has succeeding i did notice as well he's got several more franchise records to his name this week <laughs> he's just gonna be the franchise record guy i mean he is he's gonna be i mean as long as he carries on playing and doesn't like desert us to go play baseball or esports, Fortnite and that sort of stuff. But yeah, he's the first quarterback in franchise history to have a passer rating of 120 plus in three of the first four games of the season. He's the first quarterback in franchise history to complete 75% of his passes in three successive games. And also he's now the MVP front runner, I noticed, even ahead of guys like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, you know, the usual sorts. I mean, in terms of a lot of metrics, the guy, you know, the guy's really up there with those guys as well. You know, um, I mean, completion percentage, obviously being a big one, but, you know, the amount of rush yards the guy has as well. I mean, how how can you say that the success of the Cardinals is down to, you know, much other than Kyler Murray at this point? I mean, it, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of other pieces around there, but you know, you give us any other quarterback in that situation, and I don't think we're doing as well. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, lots of people seem to be sitting up taking notice of Kyle Murray this week because I've seen people saying, you know, maybe he's going to be, like, the best quarterback in the league this year, maybe next year, you know. I mean, yeah. it's going to be hard to, like, overthrow some, like, Patrick Mahomes, isn't it? But, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, like, how, how do you really measure best quarterback? Because there's a million and one different metrics that you could be using for these things. And none of them really even account for, like, differences in team and strength of schedule and all of that stuff. But I definitely think that uh, him coming to the home of where all of the NFL uh, staff are <laughs> and, uh, you know, like where all the NFL studios, where it's all filmed and everything, he comes there and, and, and puts on such a show and they just can't ignore him anymore. I think the Super Bowl's there as well this year, isn't he? Can Super Bowl is in that stadium, yeah. He's hoping to be there to, again. We'd love to see another performance like that. Of course, another big positive from this game was the run game in total. Yeah, obviously, we've got the Kyler Murray and his Erasmus James Connor, not Connor, picking up those ugly yards and goal line scores. And Chase Edmonds just being all around excellent. Yeah, I mean Chase Edmonds um terrorizing that defense overall and also yes. getting like some huge yardage plays. Yeah, I mean like that was it yeah, they pinned us on the no, wasn't it after the turnover on downs? It was on the one yard line. Yeah, it was. It was like we were in from our own end zone. And I think we managed to scrape out like four or five yards first. And then it was just this insane, you know, half the field uh, and he was away. Not just that, but like running into what's not really open field. He ran into like five Rams defenders and sidestepped them for an extra 15 yards or something. Yeah, I mean, 54 yards in total on that run alone. It was ridiculous. I mean, it's about that drive. Kyle Murray didn't throw the ball one time. It was just run, really? run, run. Yeah. That's and then he ended up I with mean, a field goal from it. 
I mean, I suppose that was like towards the end of the game and we were trying to chew up a lot of clock. Um, but even so, you know, it's um, just an impressive set. As you said, like Kyler Murray, obviously part of that run team, but like the fact that we've got James Conner and Chase Edmonds um, both doing their own thing extremely well is really nice to see because that's something that you could say the Cardinals have been trying to get going for like 10 years at this point. Yeah, and the thing with Chase Edmonds as well, he's a threat out of the backfield as well, makes some exactly. ridiculous catches. Or not yeah. catches, as was the case with one of them. <laughs> the catch that wasn't quite a catch, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a catch, like, but I yeah. think he just maybe it touched out of bounds just before he managed to get full control of it, which was a bit disappointing. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. I mean, it was it was a really good play, and, and you know, again, football's a game of inches, and, uh, you know, this time it wasn't on his side, but at some point he's going to reel one of those in. It's going to be dead impressive. One of the things I'm really enjoying with these running backs at the moment is seeing the sets where Kyler Murray, James Conner, and Chase Edmonds are all in the backfield together. How terrifying must that be to see as a defense? It's one of those things, isn't it? It's like Kyler could keep it. You know, he could pitch it to Chase Edmonds. You know, James Conner could run it up the gut, you know. Yeah, I mean, like anything could happen. I mean, they could even put Rondale Moore on like a reverse, and then he could carry it as well. Yeah, and if you stick on, you know, like if you just had just those three in the backfield and no wide receivers out, um, you brought everyone in to block. You could have like a play action with James Conner and then have uh, Chase Edmonds out to receive, and that's a good play already, right there. Never mind the fact that down the field you've got. Uh, Hopkins, you've got Green, you've got Moore, you've got you know like how how good can it get in terms of uh, talent on the field at that point? I can't believe you've got Max without with another X Williams. Oh man, he had another great game as well, right? Like what yeah. a brilliant touchdown catch from him! That was a ridiculous catch from him, you know, just going up for it in between like two Rams, I think it was taking a big hit as well and still coming down with it. Yeah, he he was like directly between two and then a third one coming as well. And yeah, no, a really, really good game from him again. I don't think he got quite near his uh, like 100 yards that he got the other week, but, you know, still extremely useful part of the offense there. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be, he's becoming maybe a part of the offense as the, mm. and yeah. he, he was on the radio this past week saying he'd happily retire as a Cardinal. Hopefully that's not anytime soon, you know, and we keep him around a bit longer. I mean, it's it's always nice to see a guy who's coming in and, um, you know, really fitting in and clicking with the team. Um, and, you know, I, I get that kind of feeling with him. I get the feeling that um, not just that, but also like Cliff and uh, everyone feel comfortable using him. He's making the plays, isn't he, when he gets the chance? Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, it, tight ends are notorious for getting few targets and then dropping quite a few of the targets that they do get because you know it's the, they're the jack of all trades in and you know NFL players and um you know sometimes they do miss out on those clutch catches and things and and he's not been doing that so far i think as well aj green had another solid outing i would agree with you there for sure Five catches for 67 yards and a touchdown in the 37-20 victory. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think he actually out uh, caught and out got, was out-targeted from um, Hopkins as well that game. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins did get 67 yards on four catches. Which is, you know, is, again, like 
there's just so much talent out there. How are you going to decide how to cover them? I know it's. I mean, everyone complains. You know, maybe we're not using DeAndre Hopkins enough, but I think he seems to be doing fine. You know, with what we are using him for. And not just that, but you got to remember that every time you don't see Hopkins on a play, he is taking away um, the best part of their secondary. That's what he's doing. Yeah, I did notice on a few occasions in this game, he was moved away from the left-hand side, wasn't he? He was on the right-hand side of the offense. Yeah, which is interesting because that's obviously his uh, weaker side, or it's rather it's Kyler's weaker side. But, you know, who who knows what kind of, if he was like setting up a wheel route or a corner route or something like that and kind of moving across to the left. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, who knows what Cliff Kingsby's got in that crazy play caller mind of his. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's really good to see. And, and we saw some, uh, we saw a bit of magic again this week, which was uh, always welcome. We didn't quite see much from Christian Kirk this week because he was pretty anonymous. One catch he- for five yards. But also, you know, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen when you've got four really big receivers, right? That's true. You know, some, sometimes they're going to be in a favorable matchup and sometimes they're not. Um, and I wonder as well how much of that was like, you know, Rondell Moore out getting reps that he might have otherwise been doing. As I said, there was a lot of um, uh, sets with both James Conner and Chase Edmonds in the backfield, you know? It's, it's one of those things, you know, we just have that many players on offense. We just have literally the plays to use them all yeah exactly it's like there's only going to be so many throws in the game they're not going to be able to be spread out evenly and therefore you're going to get people who have good games and bad games in terms of um you know the number of targets that they're going to get and you know while it's tempting to go like oh christian kirk is he's he's not being used again he's not being used again he's back you know it just takes the right um matchup and then he'll be back in it and additionally like you know, for all we know, the guy got banged up like early in the first quarter and, and just, you know, was like, I'll be out, but I'm not, you know, as able to catch the ball or something. You know, a lot of these guys go out and break their fingers in the middle of games and don't really tell anyone. I mean, as well as Christian Kirk, so, you know, he could bounce back next week against San Francisco with like three touchdown catches. <laughs> yeah, him. exactly. That's that's all you, you know, you can't, you can never um, discount him in that regard. I think as well we should mention Byron Murphy, who had yet another solid game in the Cardinals secondary. I mean, I, I mentioned the Cardinals secondary as a whole, but as you said, Byron Murphy specifically, um, what a beautiful IMT he got. Yeah, I mean, obviously Deshaun Jackson may be one of the best deep threats in NFL history. And yeah, you know, Byron Murphy's there stride for stride with him, manages to undercut the route and picks off the pass from Matt Stafford. Just incredible. And like that's, it, it was at a really crucial time as well. I mean, there's never not a good time to get an interception, but um, you know, picking it up and and really changing the flow of the game and and just you know taking the wind out of the sails of the Rams. What a brilliant time to do it! Yeah, as you say, the secondary as a whole had a decent game in this one. Jalen Thompson showed up many many times in this one. Yeah, um, huge game from him. Um, absolutely shut down play. He had five tackles and five assists as well. In just, I think That's... quite a few of his big tackles were like on his own, you know, taking down Cooper Cup a couple of times. Just yeah, heck of a game from Jalen Thompson. Just have to hope he stays healthy because so far that's really been the thing that's hindered him in his Cardinals career. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Um, 
seeing this secondary, you know, this is like cornerbacks was, I think the thing that we were like number one, most worried about going into the season, you and I, and we've really seen them come into their own so far this year. I mean, I wasn't overly bothered by it. I was just thinking, you know, it's going to be an untested like group that we've got. So, you know, jury's yeah, out un- on them until they actually hit the field and play properly. Untested. And we were we were sort of saying as well, you know, we had, um, what's his name? Mal- Malcolm Butler uh, retiring as well, you know, like just right before the season started. And we were thinking like, okay, well, we don't have Patrick Peterson. We've got, you know, Robert Alford's healthy for the first time in two years. He's kind of an unknown quantity, you know, and, and then obviously Malcolm Butler heading off as well. And it's like, you know, who who are these guys? We don't really, not that we don't know who they are, but like we don't know what they work like as a unit. And here they are all working extremely well together. Um, I saw some people claiming they were like, yeah, isn't it funny how much the secondary improves like the minute Patrick Peterson leaves? I think the same thing could be said about the offense. You know, now Larry Fitzgerald isn't there and they could force the ball to him. But we can't yeah. say stuff like that because it's blasphemy. <laughs> you know, I think um, overall it's like the the team really has um, a new identity. You know, it's like they're, they're no longer um, trying to be some sort of echo of the 2015 Cardinals. Uh, now they are the 2021 Cardinals and they are different. The Cliff Kingsbury's Cardinals. Yeah, exactly. It's about the um, not K though, because you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts to get dangerous when you've got too many Ks there. But and then, yeah, ultimately, I think the uh, the proof's in the pudding because we are, at least according to like the NFL writers and stuff, we are the best team in football. Yes, I noticed on the NFL.com power rankings this week that the Cardinals have moved up from eleventh last week, which is ridiculous considering the fact they were three and zero. Yeah. I think they actually went down one place in that week, you know, just because yeah. the Jaguars led at halftime. It's like, well, I, I think um, ultimately it's like it's because these um, because these rankings are all uh, like aggregates of like lots and lots of people's votes, and therefore like you know some teams move up, some teams move down, and all of that stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of a silly system ultimately, but you know I can remember. I think the last time the Cardinals were even close to number one was back in 2015. Um, and here we are jumping up 10 points, which must be pretty unheard of, really. Yeah, I mean, the last time I saw anything jump up 10 places is probably something like Ed Sheeran going up in the music charts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they were, yeah, you know, like last undefeated team in the NFL as well, as I said, for the first time since 1974. 4 0 start with an excellent. Yeah, for for an start historically good for us as well, which is just brilliant to see. I think there is one thing that we haven't mentioned, and that was the defense forcing two turnovers in this game. Yeah, yeah, two big turnovers. That what turnover on downs at the like one yard line. That's so impressive. Well, actually, that makes it three turnovers, doesn't it? Because the turnovers these were talking about was the Byron Murphy interception. Yeah, and. The Marcus Golden Force fumble that Buda Baker. Oh yeah, recovered. of course. Yep. And then of course there could have been yet another one as well with um with the one that came off the board. Yeah, it's one of those games where like and then obviously the turnovers we did have both got touch touchdowns out of. And yep. the turnover on downs ended up being a three point drive. So it's like you got seventeen points off turnovers, which you know, can't be can't complain about that. 
Yeah, especially when you've your winning margin is seventeen points. You know, I mean, I think ultimately, like that's that is really what won us the game, isn't it? When you think about it, getting those turnovers because it's like you know, obviously we get the stop out of it as well, but each of those turnovers represents a different way that we were dominating the Rams' offense. You know, we we managed to get a pick, kind of two which shows you know how much we were able to stop them getting passing going on. We managed to get to the quarterback, uh, sort of, and, and, and force some fumbles in the backfield and things like that. It, yeah, it's just it's really exciting to see. It's one of those things as well, like, obviously, you can win if your team is, like, committing a turnovers. But it yeah, makes of it course. a hell of a lot more difficult, doesn't it, if you're giving away possessions. Yeah, it's like running uphill. But, like, obviously... If you're winning the turnover battle in a game and not turning the ball over yourself, you know, that's one good way of starting, like a good foothold in a game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, I can I can never remember the statistic, but it's like when when you win the turnover battle, when you have more turnovers than your opponent, you're like going to win 85% of the time or something ridiculous like that. Um, or maybe you have to have a bigger margin or something, but you know, ultimately, like turnovers do win games, and the fact that we were generating them the way that we were, and not only that, but not giving away stupid ones as well. You know, there was good ball security all around. Um, Kyler wasn't making stupid passes. Uh, all of that stuff is what really brought us on the way there. It was just a complete victory in a thirty-seven twenty-one win, wasn't it? Just yeah. not much went wrong. Everything seemed to go right. And can I just, you know, round off our, our, you know, game recap, as it were, by just saying, like, how good does it feel to finally beat the Rams after four years? I know. It's, I mean, it's been a long time since the Jeff Fisher Rams, where we seemed to beat them, like, every single time we played them. No, the Jeff Fisher Rams, for a few years, we used to split the series with them, remember? It was like we would win away and they would win in Arizona. Yeah, at least for a few years, but yeah, yeah. I mean that would fit with Jeff Fisher's Rams going eight and eight every year, but seven and nine, seven and nine, yeah, which sadly he can't do anymore. So that's probably why Mm. he never wants to coach in the NFL ever again. Yeah, he he saw the extra game coming, and that's it. You were going to say that is your final thing, but I'm going to take away from that, sure, and leave a quote from Byron Murphy Jr. He says, "I feel like as a team." We're we're building towards something. I can I can live with it. I mean, I think um one of the things that the the team was saying coming out of there is like you know similar to what they said when they beat Tennessee. It's like you guys are surprised, but we're not. We planned this. We knew we could do it. We came in. We got the job done. It's like the JJ Watt quote, isn't it? You know, not surprised, not surprised, expected. expected. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that that's um. You know, that's a great attitude to see the team having. And, and you know, if this truly is um, them knowing what they can do, then I really can't wait to see where we go to for the rest of the year. And I think as well, you can also sum it up from a tweet that defensive line coach Brenton Buckner put out after the game. He said, 4-0 and means we can't go 3-14, and nothing more, nothing less. Go back to work mm. Monday. That's a, that's a really good point. It's a really good point, but yeah, there you go. I mean, on the plus side, we've now, in the first uh, four weeks, 
managed to beat our entire season worth of wins under Josh Rosen as well. So, you know, all the people who were were uh, clamoring to remain with uh, Josh Rosen and not take Kyler Murray, there you go. I wouldn't know who those people are. It wasn't me. <laughs> no. Well, I've learned from my mistake. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now that we've talked about real football, shall we talk about some fantasy football? Yeah, I can't say it's going particularly well for me, but how are you getting on? Well, the Birgang Bowl is pretty much a write-off, you know, yet another loss to fall to 0-4. I mean, the Bills' defence was nearly my highest score with 23 points, so, you know, that just about sums up my season so far. Yeah, pretty pretty tricky going here as well. Um, Birgang Bowl, I lost uh, 130-something to 120-something, so it wasn't my... Um, least uh respectable loss but again i'm i'm also falling to uh own four there um not a good season for me this season i was in contention last year you know i think it's just because we put this bowl on offer didn't we it's like everyone's trying to go yeah. for it but we're like not everyone's trying harder yeah that, that, that's got to be the only reason it's not because we're bad at fantasy <laughs> football definitely not definitely not how'd you get on in the uh, dynasty league well, the dynasty is going a bit better, though. You know, I've had two wins on the bounce now. This time coming against the previously undefeated Simon to go for 2-2-2 two, two and two for the season. And I did actually end up breaking the 200-point barrier. Dak, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, yes, both two Steelers. Chase Edmonds and CJ Mosley, all with fairly decent point returns. So I also left a lot of points on the bench, which is a bit disappointing, but a win's a win. Uh, meanwhile, I had to do some serious last-minute shuffling. I believe I had like four players on my main roster inactive, and I had nobody on the bench to even swap them out with. So I was frantically picking up guys, um, you know, like all the way through uh, sort of Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon, putting a pretty respectable 160 points. But I was beaten by our Irish contingent, uh, Darren, who very, very nearly um, broke that 200-point barrier as well. Um, he's going to the top of the league and I am uh, on my way to the bottom. Yeah, I mean, it's a close one at the moment because we've got six teams that are three and one. I've got another league like this that where actually the majority of people are two and two. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm two and two in this league and I didn't move up or down this week after sitting seventh place, even though my team is now somehow the highest scoring one in the entire league. That's wild. I know, after those first two weeks where they were just dreadful. It's like, they just seem to have woke up. Fantasy football is bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. And also, we've only got the one team that doesn't have a victory so far. So let's Uh, just hope Dean can manage one before the end of the season. Competitive stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, we've got the six on three and one. There are four teams on one and three. Dean's on 0 and 4, and I'm the only one that's 2 and 2. So it's like yeah, all to play for so far. That's true, actually. Yeah, I shouldn't feel too uh, too worried about sitting there at one and three. At least I've got a win in that uh, league so far. Now just to work on getting a win in the bird gang ball. I've given up with that shit. <laughs> well, something I've not given up with yet is the weekly pickums, and that's despite the fact that my strategy of never picking New York badly backfired this week or last week. Yeah, I mean it was a pretty crappy week four for me well week three rather sorry but this week i seem to bounce back and went 13 and three in my picks to take control of good. the 
yeah, it takes control of the British Bird Gang League that most people have already forgotten about. But, you know, their <laughs> loss is my gain. You're going to win it by default this year. I'll take that. I mean, yeah. there was one person who did pick the Jets to win. So it's like, I, I mean, think they deserve a shout-out. Yeah, yeah, good on you. If you if you picked either of the New York teams for a win there, that's impressive. I mean, I know that um, it was Tennessee they were playing, right? The Jets. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, because he won in yeah, overtime. Because like, I know, I know Tennessee. I think both of them won in overtime, which is the even more bizarre thing. But yeah, I, I, not something that I would have or indeed did call. Um, but this this uh, week, I guess we'll see whether or not uh, New York has done enough to win back my favor. So starting with week five selections on Thursday night football, we've got the LA Rams versus the Seattle Seahawks in a match Big we'll di- probably be watching closely, but not literally yeah, watching yeah. because it's like one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> on a Thursday as well. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's just a tricky one. You know, it's Rams and Seattle, Rams coming off a high profile loss, uh, Seattle coming off of a, a win just, but... I did watch Seattle struggle to get a first down for like an hour and a half on Sunday. So I, I have to take the Rams here. Yeah, I'm taking the Rams to bounce back in this one. And I mean, you did laugh about it being a Thursday night game, but in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have to be doing the same because we play Green Bay on Thursday night. Yep, we do. And unfortunately, it's just not in that time window when the um, the daylight savings difference saves you a little bit. Yeah, so we'll have to make do with a really crappy Friday morning at work, or just Friday in general, really. Yeah, but it is what it is. We'll get we'll get to that. Um, first of our New York games, we have uh, the Atlanta Falcons coming to the Jets, which is also in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Oh, so it is. Yeah, that's the London game, so it's an early kickoff as well. Early, early doors kickoff. I don't think it is. Is it? Uh, well, not, I was in like a six o'clock kickoff. I think they said that it was going to be early in the States. I'm sure that I heard Scott Hansen say that it was like a breakfast time kickoff for them. I'm going to have to have a look now because I was sure how much attention I pay to the. I suppose that's on the East. I suppose that's on the East Coast of the States, which means it's like 8 a.m. or something like that in LA. It's a 2.30 kickoff for us in the UK. Yeah, 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 I thought it was an early one. I thought it was an early one. But yeah, there you go. So. Spurs Stadium. I mean, it's a that should be a a good game for people going live. Not that I choose to go and watch the Jets or the Falcons ever. Not you know. particularly, but you know, it, you, you, if the tickets are there. Anyway, I think I'm going to take Atlanta for that game. Yeah, I'm taking Atlanta as well. Even though the Jets did get that win, I can't see them. I mean, I can't see this- them beating Atlanta because Atlanta aren't that great. But. No, they're not. But they did. They they scraped a win in overtime against a badly banged up Titans team. I mean, I would like to, I would like to see them put in a good performance, but we'll we'll see when it gets there. Green Bay versus Cincinnati. Green Bay's on a roll at the moment, aren't they? Despite their slow start. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to go against Green Bay when they're playing like they are doing. Even though Cincinnati yeah. as well, they're having a good season so far. Are they three and one? Yeah. Uh, they are, yeah. Joe Burrow's really settled in. Looks like he's come back from the injury well. Uh, that being said, this Green Bay team looks like a little bit like the Green Bay of a few years ago, and I think that that's going to be a hard hard one for them to uh, stop. Yeah, I'm taking Green Bay in this one as well. Detroit uh, versus De- Minnesota? I mean, Detroit's just garbage just now, right? I mean, you do have Jared Goff at quarterback, so 
Maybe that's a problem. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I feel for Detroit fans. Um, Minnesota have been playing reasonably well. They really, really need to get these wins if they're going to make anything of this season. They're they're going to beat the uh, beat the Lions. No bother at home. Yeah, I'll take Minnesota in this one because it's a shame that the Detroit Lions haven't got anyone in their wide receiver group who could make Patrick Peterson look like an idiot as usual. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate, but there you go. Um, we got Denver and Pittsburgh. I mean, this is a tough one because the Denver defense plays pretty well pretty much any time they play. Yeah. But I think Teddy Bridgewater was knocked out of their game, wasn't he? So it could be true. Uh, yeah. quarterback. He went out with a concussion. I've not actually heard anything more about that, but the concussion protocol is pretty severe. So, yeah, I think... Um, I think I'm going to take Denver, though, despite the fact that Drew Locke might be there, just because, you know, Denver might have Drew Locke, but uh, Pittsburgh have Big Ben, and he seems to be having some sort of dispute with the turf monster at the moment. I've seen more than enough clips of that man falling down a lot uh, in the past few weeks. I don't really like picking Pittsburgh with this one, but I'm going to just because I think they've got more offensive weapons to than Denver have got. So. I think Den- I think Denver can put one together, but well, I th- this could definitely go either way. I'll give you that. Yeah, it's definitely one of those games. Depends which Pittsburgh turns up, because yeah, and depends which Denver turns up as well. It's true. Miami versus Tampa Bay. Ooh, the Florida Bowl. Um, is anyone not going to pick Tampa Bay here? That would be bizarre. Yeah, I'm definitely taking Tampa Bay. You know, Jacoby Brissett just looks awful. Quarterback with two are out. Yeah, he's he's not doing well, and and the um, uh, Dolphins organization as a whole doesn't seem to be uh, in the best of states, you know. Uh, and going up against a a very very strong Tampa Bay, yeah, it's, I'm taking Tampa Bay all day. And of course, they're not in a good state because they're in Florida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And New Orleans versus the Washington Football Team. Um, two teams that I've still not spent a lot of time particularly studying, so I'd be interested to see what you've got to say about it. Yeah, I mean, it is a tough one because New Orleans, they're a bit meh so far this season. Like They've got the wins, and Jameis Winston's thrown, I think I did see one I think before the last week's game, he'd thrown five touchdown passes, which, you know, is pretty impressive. We only had like 400 yards passing, Oh, that's wild. That's like, wild. Yeah. The the other question with uh, Jameis Winston is how many uh, interceptions is he getting as well? And going up against Washington, you know, everyone was raving about their defense coming into this season, but mm. so far they've just flattered to deceive. Yeah, and I think um, given that even Atlanta's kind of lackluster offense was managing to put up quite good points against Washington this week, yeah. I'm tempted to side with New Orleans here, but honestly, I I think this one could go either way in more of a bad way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't be interested in watching this game if I had to. Hopefully, it's not on bad zone too much. I will go for Uh, New Orleans, though. What about Philadelphia and Carolina? I mean, this is another tough one because obviously Philadelphia are playing pretty well this season. Carolina under Sam Donald look really good as well. So, yeah. Both kind of like resurgent teams, I guess you could say, after last year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, like, obviously we were saying New Orleans-Washington might not be a good game, but I think Philadelphia-Carolina could be a good game. Yeah. Even though Carolina is without Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Yeah. I think I'm going to take Philly here, you know. Yeah, I'm taking Carolina in this one. Just for Sam Donald to keep his resurgence going and showing that, yeah. you know, it was a Jets problem, not a Sam Donald problem. <laughs> I could see that. Um, we got Tennessee and Jacksonville. Banged up Tennessee against a um, scandal-filled Jacksonville right now. I wonder if there's many bars in Tennessee for him to go. Oh, of course there is. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I I have to take Tennessee here. There's no way. I mean, from what I've heard, um, apparently people are openly mocking Urban Meyer to his face in the dressing room. So that Jacksonville organization is about to fall apart. Yeah, I don't think he'll be lasting long if there's more scandals coming his way, you know. I think I saw something where the owners were saying, like, he's on, you know, essentially saying he's on notice. I mean, obviously, not winning games is obviously going to do that anyway, isn't it? But, you know. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if you if you have, haven't got the respect of your players as a coach, then what the hell are you even doing there? It's true. I'll take it Tennessee as well, even yeah. though. You know, they still might have no wide receivers for this one, but it is early Jacksonville, so Yeah. I think um another another one to not watch, as it were. Except for maybe maybe it would be fun to watch the absolute chaos that's gonna unfold with that game, but there you go. It's a very Florida type of thing to happen, isn't it? It's a very Jacksonville thing. Yeah. New New England versus Houston's the next one. I'd be up for New England coming back after their uh Lost to the to the Bucks there because I think they played really really well in that game, um, and and could have got the win. And I think they'll be you know somewhat buoyed by that after going in as like the heavy uh, was the opposite of heavy favorites, the heavy losers. I don't know, underdogs, underdogs. Yeah, yeah. I think Houston are the underdogs in this one, but I'll take New England just because yeah. they're not Houston. Um, Cincinnati is that Cincinnati the- versus it's whoever. Because obviously we put Cincinnati against Green Bay. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Who's Not got sh- the Raiders? This is why I rush things. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't rush things. Uh, week five. Raiders have the Bears. The Bears. I, see, i got a C word. Yeah. C-H-I. Good spot, though. I mean, I wouldn't take the Bears anyway. So, yeah, yeah Raiders. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, Raiders who could have been four and but they're not. Ha 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 ha! Imagine not being four and zero. especially when you beat the Rams thirty-seven twenty. <laughs> the Rams, uh, Los Angeles compatriots, the Chargers playing Cleveland. Taking the LA Chargers in this one. Really, I think I'm going Cleveland. I think this will be a damn good game. I'm actually a little bit annoyed that it's on at the same time as uh, the Arizona game. I mean, I do hope the Sky Sports do choose to show this one as opposed to our game. I'm sure they will. I mean, they, there's no way that they'll they'll pick up our game again second time in, in in two weeks. I mean, maybe they will, but I mean, if they want to show the best team in the NFL, you know, they'll have to. That's, that's a damn good point. It is going to be a good game, I think, because obviously Cleveland have got the players to score points. So have the LA Chargers. Both have got yeah. really good defenses. You know, could be a really good game. Yeah, I think it probably will be, and and yeah, as you said, it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be good football. Let's put it that way. But that being said, I'm taking Cleveland here. 
New York Giants versus Dallas in the NFC East showdown. Uh, of the two New York teams, I think Giants impressed me least there out of their win. Uh, I'm taking Dallas. I'm taking Dallas. Yeah. It feels weird to take Dallas, but I'll take Dallas. Buffalo and Kansas City for a big, big, big game. Massive game in the AFC this. You know, yep. Potential to be a AFC Championship game preview, perhaps. Yeah, I, absolutely, absolutely. Buffalo been playing really, really well, and, and specifically they have excellent uh, defensive statistics so far. That being said, they've not played against many huge teams yet, whereas Kansas City have. And although the Bills' uh, record may look better than Kansas City, I think Kansas City might be able to take this one. You see, it's not often that I pick against Patrick Mahomes, mm. but I'm going to go with Buffalo in this one. I think you're totally justified in going for Buffalo here for sure as well, because like they really could do it. But I, I think ultimately the the Bills' defense isn't going to be able to bail out the offense as much here. Yeah, that is true. You know, given the weapons Kansas City have got. Yeah, exactly. It is a good pick for Sunday Night Footballers, so kudos to whoever chose this one. Yeah, absolutely. Just a shame we wouldn't be watching because <laughs> Sunday Night. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then finally, we've got uh, Indianapolis and Baltimore. Yeah, this is another strange one because obviously Baltimore, you've had all those injuries, and now you've got some random bunch of guys in the backfield along with Lamar Jackson. Indianapolis, they're another one who's had several injuries, and obviously they're banged up on the offensive line. So, yeah, this is another one that could go either way. Do you know, I'm going to take Baltimore here, and I'm going to take it exclusively on. Did you see uh, the end of the Baltimore game against Denver um, that uh, Harbaugh, instead of taking a victory formation, lined up? to run for four yards because they needed four yards to keep their um, streak of games with 100-plus rushing yards going. Yes, I thought that. I mean, the Denver head coach wasn't too happy about it, was he? No, he wasn't. But, you know, they did it. And uh, they they got their streak continued. And, you know, for me, I just like the call so much, I'm going to pick them here. Yeah, I mean, not everyone can keep streaks going, can they, Sean? <laughs> yeah, especially not when you uh, lose thirty-seven twenty to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm taking Indianapolis in this one, though. But I'm not sure. Yeah. I just think you know they've got some good players on their defense. They'll be able to stop Baltimore's offense. And you know, as long as Carson Wentz stays healthy, he might do something on offense as well. Yeah, so I can agree. I can agree with that. So we've got different on quite a few games this week. We'll yeah. see if it backfires on either of us. I think that there's quite a few games this week, which which again could go either way. There's not there's not as many as uh, some weeks when there's easy a lot of easy calls, a lot of people like playing within their brackets, as it were. Yes, there is one game which probably won't be close though, and that's the Arizona Cardinals versus the San Francisco 49ers. Yep, and we've got a home game again to talk about. Which seems weird because it's like, what's home these days? <laughs> exactly. And also, um, how do you follow up a 37-20 win over another division rival? 
Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, this is the first time that the San Francisco 49ers have played away to the Arizona Cardinals in two years because last time they played in uh, State Farm Stadium, they were also temporarily calling it home because of their fires. Yeah, that's true. And also, this is a chance for the Cardinals to go 5-0 and for the first time since 1974. That's wild. <laughs> oh, man. I, how I would love to come back to, uh, next week to be talking about a 5-0 and Cardinals team. It is one of those really annoyingly awkward 9-25 kickoffs, though. It's like you have to find something to do for those 20 minutes. Yeah. Maybe I mean, it, catch a bit of the witching hour on red zone. Yeah, at least it gets you a bit more red zone, but yeah. Speaking of uh, Red Zone, I know this is entirely off topic, but given that we're both Simpsons fans, did you see that the Simpsons did a Red Zone parody this week? I did not know. Yeah, it was the NFL punt zone, and they actually got Scott Hansen in to do it, and the parody was essentially it's like all punts all the time, and they had to cut away for a fake punt, which is the kind of shit that you get in season 33 of The Simpsons, but, you know, there you go. Yeah, I was going to say, if if I was still religiously watching The Simpsons, I might have known that. <laughs> I only found about it by Twitter, to be honest. I kind of watch episodes here and there when somebody tells me it's worthwhile doing. But um, yeah, um, there you go. Red Zone parody on The Simpsons. But at least we will get our Red Zone at 6 p.m. going into that 9.25 kickoff. And then um, really a game which is shaping up to be... <laughs> I would say that compared to all the games that we've had this season, it's like most similar to the Vikings game. It's like coming in against a an opponent who is good, but an opponent that we should beat nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones. Like, obviously, San Francisco are always going to be a tough one. And also, it's a divisional game, so it's going to be a tough game anyway, isn't it? But yeah. They're coming into and- this on the back of losing to Seattle. And they're not going to want to be 0-2 in a division at this early stage, are they? Yeah, exactly. And not just that, but we've we've been made to look like chumps by the 49ers before as well, you know, in, in games that we really should be uh, winning. Um, case in point, that game that I mentioned last year when they were also kind of technically home at State Farm Stadium, they were, you know, I think that they beat us by like three, four points or something stupid like that and and knocked us a bit further out of playoff contention. And also there's the fact that we lost to a backup quarterback with them as well. I, and history repeats itself, question mark, because backup quarterback in this week with the debut of Trey Lance. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. Debut. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo got injured in the game against Seattle, so Trey Lance is thrown straight into the fire and People seem to be making out he had a really good game, but I don't think he did, really. If you look at his stats away from the wide-open touchdown throw, he had to Debo Samuel. I think he completed like eight passes for like 80 yards. And that's against a mediocre, at best, uh, Rams defense. Uh, Rams defense, Seattle defense, rather. I've got to say that everyone can beat the Rams for 20 <laughs> last week. Exactly. No. Um, I mean, that Seattle defense, they did hold them to like one score in a, in a point when the uh, offense could barely get a first down. But, you know, they're, they're not the best defense. They've shown that throughout the year. And, and um, you know, I think Trey Lance did fine for a, you know, 
backup quarterback getting his first you know taste of the nfl um but coming in against this cardinal secondary in particular and and even that sort of front line as your first start that's going to be intimidating i think yeah, I mean, it definitely adds a different dimension to what Vance Joseph will be doing this week because obviously Lance is a much more mobile quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo is. Yeah, absolutely. So he's got that threat with his legs as well as having probably a really strong arm. You know, I mean, one comparison to him is like Kyler Murray, but a little <laughs> bit bigger. Yeah, I, I was gonna say uh, like Trevor Lawrence, kind of in in Jacksonville. You know, he's he's. I would say that he's not a running quarterback. He is a quarterback who can run. As much as that is a uh, cliche, and it's going to be a question as well of how much do the Forty ers let him run? You know, they're they're already down a QB. They probably don't want to be losing this guy as well, especially if they see him as the uh, you know future of the franchise at some point. I mean, he did give up a heck of a lot to come up to number three in the draft to get him. They did, yeah. They mortgaged like like three picks next year or something like that, right? And probably more in the future as well. So it's like, yeah, yeah you're not going to want to lose him to, you know, like a shot from J.J. Watt or Buda Baker, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I could see this going in the same way that we did against Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, where it's, we're going to see him again, throw first and, and make those checkdowns. Um, I actually don't know much about how well the San Francisco offensive line is playing at the moment, because I think that's going to have a big part to do with it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things as well, like, as it seems to be the case every single year with the Niners, they've had so many injuries already this early in the season. Case in point, you know, they've lost Garoppolo now. I think they lost Raheem Mostert, like, preseason. Yeah. So they're already like down a top running back. They've had other running backs who've had injuries as well. So it's like they're kind of like already piecing together a roster to put out against us. I mean, in, in some ways, this reminds me of like the 20, I don't know, 2017, 2016 Cardinals, something like that. Around about a time when, do you, do you remember um, Next Man Up? I think that was 2016, like, you know, under kind of the, the tail end of the Arians years. Yeah, it was basically next man up. Yeah, they could, could do the job sort of thing. And it was just like every single week we were talking about an injury report where we were saying like, oh yeah, one of another one of our you know, week one starters is injured and out for the rest of the season. And, and this kind of feels like that for them a little bit. The thing is though with San Francisco, it seems to happen every single year. It's like injuries, injuries, injuries. But then again, I, what I would say as well is like, not only do they get injuries every year, but they also then seem to find this incredible depth. Like it's quite often that San Francisco will be, you know, will get some sort of stupid injury and then it won't be long after that. Uh, and, and they'll get, you know, a backup and who all of a sudden turns out to be, you know, a really exciting backup. Yeah. Cause I mean, they seem to have a decent, like I suppose scouting unit, don't they? Because yeah. you can just find guys off the streets. who will come in, do a job. And that's it. Yeah, and it does them fine for a few weeks. And not just that, but, you know, it's it's not been a short number of years, but um, you, the Cardinals have been embarrassed a few times by, like, as you phrased it, their guys coming in off the streets, um, yeah. particularly with the with the San Francisco 49ers, you know, just getting guys who, who are, you know, like not 
considered NFL quality talent come in and, and just like walk all over us. Yeah, it's one of those ones as well where it's hard to pinpoint who are the real danger men. Obviously, on defense, you've got Nick Bosa, who could have been a Cardinal had we not wanted Kyle Murray. Yep, absolutely. Um, always a big matchup to look out for is Murray versus Bosa, that you know one-two pick. Um, and yeah, I, I think this year will be you know no different for that. You've Sorry, also go got Fred Warner as linebacker, one of the best in the NFL. So, yep. you know... He'll be on Kyle Murray a fair bit, I think, if he tries to run. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they do manage to come in and get any sacks. Because um, obviously the Rams were able to, but you know, ultimately it didn't really help them that much. I know, especially when they lost thirty seven twenty. Yeah, no, I'd say those two on the on the defense. Uh, on the offense, I feel like with the Niners, it, it could be anyone can have a bit of a you know um, standout game. Yeah, I mean, obviously George Kittle. Seems to always have a good game against the Cardinals, and he has a lot of yep. like encounters with Buda Baker throughout does, the games. Yeah. And obviously, you know, when it comes to Kettle, he is, you know, going to use his size as an advantage there, and he's going to, you know, come down with those, um, with those balls as well. And you know, so I, I guess ultimately to um, neutralize Kettle as much as possible, you can't just rely on that secondary. You've got to be able to get to the quarterback. You've got to make them you know make uh stupid throws as well which might be easier said than done with well i mean it might be easy to say that because it's a, a rookie coming in with his first start so you know yeah up until this week he probably wouldn't have taken many first team reps in practice at all no it won't it won't have no um, but like coming into this game, coming into this game he'll have like every single snap will be his so yep i'm sure um, he'll be prepared for it no, of course. I mean, I don't think you get to this level without being prepared and having somebody like kind of force you to get prepared. But um, you know, that being said, it's uh, it's clearly going to be um, it's going to be a big, big old game for him. Exactly. And how can you prepare for what Vance Joseph is going to throw his way? You can't. No, no. I, I, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a good game to watch. Um, I'm. Like, I don't want to say hopeful. It's like I'm, I'm almost a little bit scared. It's it's an odd emotion going into this one, where I'm kind of thinking like, you know, it's going to be really good. It's going to be a good game. I just really hope that they don't blow it. I think we've been here before. I think we playing the Niners and hoping we don't blow it. <laughs> yeah, we have, and I think as well we've we've been here even kind of, you know, um, this year. As I said, like it's it feels so similar to that Vikings game. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a chance of an upset here, but is that going to be reflected in our predictions? Probably not. Yeah, I think uh, this this week I will be predicting a win, and 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 obviously I'm hoping for one. I think it's perfectly within everyone's uh, you know wheelhouse to get a win out of this. I just really hope that uh, again it's it's controlled and and we do come out of it five and zero for the first time since the mid seventies. So, do you want to put down a prediction first, or shall I? Yeah, you go go ahead. I'm not. I've not quite come up with numbers yet. Okay, so I'm obviously going to go for a Cardinals victory. You know, I'm four four from four this year with our picks. So let's you make are, it yeah. five for five. I'm going to go for San Francisco seventeen. The Arizona Cardinals thirty. That's fair. I think. Um, 
I said it like two weeks ago or something, but I, I would be like disappointed in this offense putting up anything less than 30 points. Um, so I'm going to give them 33. And I think I'll probably copy you with the San Francisco points there and give them 17 as well. It's a game I'm looking forward to. And, and I really, really hope that we're sitting here next week talking about 5-0. and Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot better if you have stayed up till like, like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning and there's like a victory to celebrate the next day. Yeah, although it does make it harder to go to bed. It does, yeah, especially when the phone's going off with like hundreds and hundreds of notifications. Like, <laughs> man, it does. Yeah. Oh, man, that was that was wild after that one. I actually stayed up for a bit of Sunday night football just to calm down. There is one I good... Uh, what was I going to say? I suppose there is a, that is one good reason to do not disturb mode work, so... Yeah, yeah, I did true. manage to get sleep afterwards, even though it was painful <laughs> to try and do so. Indeed. Well, I think uh, how about we wrap it up there for this week, and um, you know we'll be back next week to to break down the game against San Francisco, and hopefully be just as good as an episode. <laughs> I, but, I mean, you so can be too. the judge of that. So yes, as always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us and join the massive influx of new followers we've been getting at British Bird Gang. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang and facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. That is if Facebook. <laughs> say that is if Facebook is actually working again. Buy British Bird Gang merch at britishbirdgang.tmail.com. And of course, if you like what you listen to on the podcast, then please leave us a rating wherever wherever it is you get your podcast from. And also share the podcast retweet any tweets that we send out about the podcast like us on reddit when we haul it out on there as well you know <laughs> just you know get get involved in the podcast it's good it's good yep so as always thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week for episode 123 see you next week <laughs>